everyone. Welcome to another episode of Lumen Industries Radio. I am your host, Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by my co-host, Spencer Spencer. How are you today? Very interested to talk another episode of Severance with you, man. I'm excited, too. I don't know what you thought about this episode. The only thing I got from you... So, at this point, I've introduced the concept that as you watch the show, sometimes you'll reach out to me. So, now the fans of this show are really interested in what I'm getting from you. What what did I send you this time? Here's what I got. I got a, a little stick figure meme of two hands pushing two stick figures faces together and said now kiss <laughs> and when do you think that came up in this episode <laughs> yeah so that's the only thing i know about what you thought spencer what did you think of the episode i i am of two minds well uh, the actual answer is i loved the episode i thought it was really well done i thought it continued to just further the wonderful mystery that this show is associated with there were so many moments of where i was just just you know mouth hung open shock about new things that were being revealed to us and new connections that were being made this also was the only episode so far this season of where when it ended i gave the screen two middle fingers and just walked around the room like that when the show ended because it was an utter tease of a moment that it ended on yeah unbelievable cliffhanger you know I watched this week by week after the second week or third week or something like that in that range. I started watching it week by week when it came out two years ago and it was a real tough week between episode eight and nine. It was, I was pretty pissed off about it, but it was exciting to think that we may get a full episode or at least we'll start the episode with the switch flipping with them actually out in the world, actually out in the world. It's a really exciting concept. And we know Basically, or at least we have images of how all four of them are living and seeing them wake up in those moments, seeing the three that are going to wake up in those moments is going to be fascinating. So this is a Severance Review Podcast. On this podcast, we review every single episode of the Apple Plus TV series Severance. We are on season one, episode eight, What's for Dinner? We have one more episode this season until we are on break, just like the rest of TV, rest of all media waiting for the strike to end. My understanding is that Severance was in the middle of production. They were shooting scenes, but they stopped during the writer's strike because there was a lot of rewrites going on and constant tinkering, and they still had the writing staff involved. So they went ahead and stopped, and now, of course, with the actor's strike, they're 100% shut down. So we will wait for that situation to resolve itself before we get season two. But in the meantime, we will review episode eight, What's for Dinner Today, and then next week we will review episode nine, the finale of season one and maybe just maybe on that episode we'll have a little bit more information about what's next for spencer and i because i can tell you this i don't know what we're going to review next but i know we're going to review something i know that uh spencer Mm -hmm. and i will continue chatting on this podcast channel we will we will pop up somewhere reviewing something and we may just have some more information about that for you next week so tune in next week to the podcast for that but in the meantime spencer what is in front of us we have to review episode eight what's for dinner we do that through a recap i will lead the recap i trust you will chime in witty anecdotes probably a few Always. probably a few insights i would say you i'm looking for your insights this week uh, yeah, given how much I was looking, for, I was very vocally looking forward to a waffle party. We may have a certain degree of kink unpack here at the end of the episode. We'll find out. A wonderful moment for me was we the podcast went out last week about you know Tuesday night, and it was maybe Wednesday night, 
Thursday range, and I started getting people writing in, going, "Does Spencer still want the waffle party?" Like they were they were taunting you through me because they know they can't get to you. So they were just like, "Can you tell Spencer? Ask him if he still wants the waffle party." Hey, hey, I'm not going to bury the lead. I wish they had. I wish they hadn't used euphemisms. If they'd sold me on that weird eyes wide shut orgy kind of thing, I would have worked all the harder all season long. Spencer's doubling down on the waffle party. Then we will go to our segments. We start with best line of the episode. I and I alone, a member of best line of the episode. However, Spencer, every week, Gamely will supply me with nominees for my selection for best line of the episode. Then we will move to employee of the week, where we will we will award a Lumen employee best employee of the week. I got really, really strong contender this week. I mean, I think, I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Pretty obvious, but we'll get there. And then we get to America's favorite segment, what everybody tunes in for every week. Where I sit back, kick back, and Spencer ask questions. And typically, I will do one of three things. I will either answer the question in full, answer the question partially, or acknowledge that what he just said was a question. I am looking forward to that in all the ways I can express. Yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things hanging on. I, I'll tell you this. How about this? My guess, I know, I, first off, we joke around a lot, but I know you're my friend. I know you like spending time with me. I know, you like, I know you like being on the podcast. But I do think that the most exciting thing about this podcast for you probably is that you're then free to watch the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is my gateway. I do this imagine. Is my, this is my crucible. <laughs> I have to walk before I can watch the show again. I, I do. Because that would be really, I, that is a tough position you're in. And then people have commented about that too. They're, they're, they're applauding you that you're able to hold it week by week, especially for this. This was the hardest one. Because you you just want to see, like, for me, I remember thinking, like, I just want to see the first 10 minutes. Can I just see the first 10 minutes of the next episode? I just need to know if it really happened, if they really flipped over. It's a hard, it's a hard cliffhanger. There are weeks where I feel like you purposely extend the recap just that little bit longer so as to keep me away from the episode. I'm seeing whether that's going to happen again this time. That will not happen this week. I can't wait to free you up so you can go watch it. I'm excited for you to see it, but let's talk about the episode that was season one, episode eight. What's for dinner? We start with someone on a park bench. Irving. see it is Irving. We're going to get Irving outside of the office. This was not the Irving I expected. This is just further proving that the severed that you that is inside does not necessarily have anything related to the personality you outside. Irving is a hell of a data point in that regard. We've got, the, so we've got kind of two data points for that, right? Because we've got Dylan who down his any is like he's a horn dog I'll, I'll, yeah i want to get like i'm i'm gonna hook up with miss casey i'm going on a riverboat like i'm banging mills like i'm just i'm just out of control and when Loving we when we see the outside yeah he just like you know what a couple story house a kid wife you know the whole thing we've seen certain elements of it with everybody at this point mark on the outside we particularly at the start of the season deeply depressed suffering alcohol like isolated himself from those around him mark inside the social center of the room, cracking jokes, bonding with other people. Now, whether that was the mark that used well, to be before the loss of his wife or not, who can say? There's obviously overlap threads, but there, we even commented on the physical change that happens in the character. For sure, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Irving uh, seems different, right? Irving's different. But I, I don't know, Make for me, I feel like Mark is the closest. His in sure, and out are the closest of what I've seen. They, don't, they do seem... Yes, yeah, Mark is carrying this burden of losing his wife and that has spiraled him into alcoholism, but I still see, I kind of still see the same person. I, I'm seeing the same Mark. I'm just seeing the same Mark to a certain degree unburdened from everything else he'd otherwise be carrying, at least in that moment, separate, separated yeah, from those yeah. painful memories. 
Heli, on the other hand... What can we say about Heli inside versus out? Well, I'm hoping we're going to find out more about outside Heli come next episode. But from what little we've seen of that uh, particular videotapes coming in, Heli on the outside is a terrifying person to be around, whereas Heli on the inside, much more minimal. Well, with, yeah. r- with certain rough edges. Yeah, I mean, she can be... She's prickly. I would call her prickly. Yes. But I would saw. I would call the Audi... Human, like, though? Yeah, I would call the Audi, like... If not outright, like amoral, at least has some sort of like vein of belief that has skewed their perception what? of morality, right? Like it, if you're not an outright evil person, you at least have fallen into some sort of pit that has promoted evil behavior. 100%. We've been debating from the word go that she was in some way a true believer, that she was in some way connected and been bought into this practice. Based on the little snippet we have this episode, I'm now willing to say that she's a member of the Egan family, which explains so much. Yeah, well, we, we, we will get there. We'll talk about it. I'm, I'm interested. Um, so back to Irving. Irving we hear first. a uh, bird going overhead. He looks up. We see a dog next to him. Irving's got a dog. Of course he's got a dog. Of fucking Na- course he does. I love Irving. Na- Name Radar. Rain Radar. Great name for a dog. She says, all right, Radar, let's go. Great match character, too. Radar the dog. Shout out Stephen King, the book Fairy Tale. You read that? The no, book Fairy Tale? I, I forgot about that. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Didn't, didn't remember that reference. So good. Um, we see a large building named Lenora Lake. At first, I kind of thought this might be like a hospital. It seems like it's just an apartment complex, and that's the name of the apartment complex, right? And it's purposely meant to be smaller, much more individual kind of little apartment complex. This is this isn't this isn't this place doesn't look bad, but at the same time, it doesn't look like you know swanky. Question for you: Is Mark the only one getting Lumen housing? We don't know about Helly, but the assumption is that she probably lives in some Egan estate kind of thing. From what we've seen, yeah, Mark is the only one that is pointedly living. Given that he's only one of two people seemingly living in that neighborhood, maybe it shouldn't be too surprising. Mark is different. We, you noted, and it was hard. So many for, ways. It was hard for me to keep sort of tight-lipped on this, but you noted early on when you noticed that he got the little etched glass award, and Dylan was like, "That was for no reason. That was outside of the perk system. He just got it." And you were like, "Oh, hold on, that's a big data point." Like you kind of held on Mark's to that. Special and Mark in a lot is of ways. Mark is special. Right? It looks like he is because it looks like he gets. Lumen housing, and it looks like uh, our guy Irving is not. He's living at Lenora Lake. So he gets some coffee, takes a sip. Question for you Does he just stay up all night? Fucking, he never sleeps, right? This is why Irving is so tired at work because this guy's pounding coffee and painting on his off time. And then that got me thinking. I spiraled. That got me thinking. If I was, if I had this set up, I'd never fucking sleep. Because it would, would be my, it'd be my any's problem to deal with. Like, you deal with it. Like, <laughs> I, I don't have to suffer, you know, being tired. Yeah, it's like your any is getting set to the break room, dude. Just sheer exhaustion from you avoiding the eight hours necessary each day. In the same way that Mark just, like, drinks his face off and he's like, you deal with the hangover. It's not my problem. Um, Selfish bastard. Seems like that's what Irving's doing. Anyway, sets his coffee down, takes a painting. And puts it down. We see him put up a block of wood and he starts. Irving is an artist. Of course he is. Of course he I, is. He paints. I, I pictured him an artist. Didn't picture him this category of listening to Ace of Spade going all night category of artist. That yeah. was a bit of a different read than I was than I was going with. But artist certainly fit, fits in. And what is he painting, sir? What is he? What is his medium? We'll start there. And black. then what is he painting? Yeah, black. Bo- it's black, my friend. 
black, and it looks exactly like the black that that spills into Irving's little, you know, dreams whenever he dozes off when he's down in the office. And as for the image, a certain elevator that we will be seeing later is in some ways tracking Irving's subconscious. How on earth did that get in there? More at 11. (laughs) Yeah, it does feel like the, the any life is talking to Irving's Audi life. But this, I mean, this style of painting where... You know, they they throw on some like metal music and like they're yeah. they're really like either coked up or caffeined up or smoking cigarettes or whatever. And it's and, almost you know, stereotypical artist behavior. Yeah, I mean, like we I live here in lovely Asheville, North Carolina, and we have a the River Arts District, which is down by the river. River Arts District down by the river. Can you believe yeah, that? Look at that. Yeah, breaking fucking news. They and don't actually practice arts there, though. It's very surprising. <laughs> it's it's. It's wonderful that it was just it's just artist studio after artist studio, right? And you oh, can just yeah. go you can go down there and just walk in and see people doing their thing. A lot of people kind of have this similar Jam process out. where you yeah they they got some sort of especially the the more abstract artists do this right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we hear this: if you like to gamble, I'll tell you, you win some, lose. It's all the same to me. Make no difference what you say. The only thing you need is the ace of spades. The only thing you see, Great you know, song. it's going to be the ace of spades. I feel like they're purposeful with the music, so I like to write the lyrics down. And it appears that, is it fair to say every single painting that we see of Audi Irving is the same image? Yes. It is that, is that same... Black elevator. Black black hallway, oil style dripping down the walls with that black elevator with the red down arrow at the end of it. Yep. Every single one. He's continuing to work the black ink and paint as the music blares in the background. We see each of the four... In the elevator, we're kind of going back and forth to Dylan, Mark, Irving, mm-hmm. uh, Helly, and we see for each moment uh, when they flip over, cut to Helly at her workstation. She's working the numbers, and we hear some relatively intense music playing. Mark leans over the edge, going good. She says, yeah. He asks her if she'll have it by, and she cuts him off and says, I'll get there. Mark gets up. He seems a bit nervous. He walks out the room into the break room where Dylan and Irving are, not the real break room, not the break room. Yeah. The break room. The break room, not the break room. Where, where, where you can get bags of meat and, what was it, prunes? Or was it uh, turnips? Nuts, well, you definitely could do nuts. There, there was all kinds of things one. in there. Yeah. Beets. I think it was beets. Beets. That's right. But I'm, I'm every week. As Mark walks in, Dylan says, she's not going to make it, is she? Mark says, you should be at your desk. Dylan again asks if she's going to make it. Mark, in a not very convincing manner, says that she will. So seems like some time has passed and they're actually focused on the work again for some reason, which was a bit of a shocker to start this episode. I was processing it for a minute, but my assumption was, okay, this is cover. They're trying to, you know, pretend they're working hard so that the you know, management doesn't have any any reason to pay any more attention than they usually do. Irving says, don't laugh. And then he pitches the idea of all of them standing behind her and perhaps chanting her name. <laughs> do, Good idea. Can Irving. you imagine a more effective way to get me to not actually do my work? I was just thinking about how miserable that would be for you. If your coworkers were like, yeah, Spencer, Spencer. Oh man. Yeah. Absolute hermit. You would just sh- sh- turtle shell. Just I'm done with the word. hundred percent. Dylan just gives a confused look at that because it's a terrible idea. Mark doesn't respond to it and says, she'll make it. Just let her focus. Cut to Milchik, who is walking uh, or watching um, Cobell. And Cobell is asking how how she's doing. So basically uh, what we got from this scene is that Milchik and Cobell are both also interested in how Heli is doing. So the whole damn operation here oh. is focused on Heli. A lot is hanging on them hitting quota, apparently. Going down to the wire, Kobol looks over his shoulder, and when then we see what they're looking at. We see they have a camera on the computer facing Heli. 
Huh. That was interesting. It's interesting where they do and where they don't have cameras. Literally, I, I would assume if they have it on helis, they have it on everybody's where they've got the, basically the webcam points out and, and they can see the people looking at the at the monitor. Kobel tells Milchik that they are going to prep for when she makes it. Kobel starts to walk out. Oh, and I want to schedule an end of the quarter wellness session for Mark. Milchik gives her a look. Really? Really? She it- leans in. Seth, I know this has been a trying quarter, and you have availed yourself well. Mr. Grainer sits with Kier now, and I imagine they're both very satisfied with you. I, this further is proving, based on Milchik's reaction after she just drops that and walks away, everyone else around Kobel, around, around Harmony, thinks that she's weird and intimidating. Yeah, she's certainly... I don't think there's anybody that she's interacted with who didn't get a strange vibe from her. Yeah. So she holds the stare a long time, longer than I expected, and he seems kind of intimidated by her. She walks out close to the door. Cut to Helly, who is working the trackball. That lovely trackball that you that like so much. Nightmarish trackball. There was a phase when everybody thought that those would be the future of mice, and I am so happy they were wrong. Yeah, and there's still some people who hold on to the trackball. and I, I, Just stubborn. They got to be stubborn, right? There's nothing superior about that. You, you, no, everything about that is wrong. Yeah, it's like the people. It's like in early the early two thousands when there was HD DVD and there was Blu-ray DVD. Yeah, and some people bought the HD DVD players and associated and movies, and then Blu-ray took stayed. off, and then they and they're just sticking with it. They're just you know what? No, this is mine. I I picked what? this. I'm going with it. It fits the weird, like, you know, 90s level of technology that is just permeating this universe. That You know, they're all using trackball mice. It's perfect. There was a period of when the 90s, when that was a thing. Yeah, it's, uh, whoever had that, de- put that detail on set, chef's kiss. She's uh, still working the number. She says, hey, he uh, asked, and she says, I think I did it. All of a sudden, the software says 100%, and we see some animated thing of them flying through the clouds with a picture of Kier on a mountaintop. Spencer, what is the the name of the hardest arcade game ever? Dragon's Lair? Uh, Dragon's Lair, yes. Okay, this looks like Dragon's Lair animation to me. This it, is it, very it is, close to it. It is very 90s adventure game style animation. 100% that. And we see some animated clouds picture of Kier on a mountaintop that says 100%. The computer then says, I knew you could do it, Heliar. I love how that's like not this disjointed with the name that gets thrown into the middle of the code. Heliar. I knew you could do it, Heliar. Even in your darkest moments, I could see you arriving here and refining your microdata file. You have brought glory to this company and to me, Kier Egan. I, I love you. Weird. I love the pause. I love Weird. the pause as if he's having to work through his own issues to admit his love for you right now. And now I must be away for there are others who need me around the world. Goodbye, Heliar, and thank you. And we see 1980s, 1990s Cure take off flying he through the clouds. Away. He flies through the clouds. They're, they're, I don't know why they made a LucasArts-style adventure game centered around Cure. I also don't know why they have not updated it at all. Again... Why is all the te- uh, so many little bits of this technology just so firmly grounded in like 1994? Okay, Apple has clearly has the budget for this. Apple, I know you're listening. Please take this advice. 
Here is how you do promotion for this show. You create a Kier arcade game that's in this style and and circulate it to all of these like hipster arcade bars that are just open in all the towns now and all the downtowns. Just circulate it. Like that's the best way to push this show. People would be lining up to watch it. You're right. Also, don't give them ideas. They might. They've got the money to make that happen. Dylan says, boom, that's quota. We did it. Irving says, so it's on now. And that's what that was his line is when I went, oh, uh, they care about yeah. this for a reason that's not work. Exactly. Cut to Mark with Cobo and they are in her office just a laugh and a guffaw. <laughs> oh, Mark. I love how she says Mark. Mark. It was, it was so long. It was so awkward. I almost felt like. And for meeting quota, we can share a laugh now for mi- for one minute if you request it. Same as like the handshake earlier. You know what I thought that. it was? You know what, what I thought it was? I thought it was you like um you know how people have like sexual tension for a long time and then they finally hook up. Sometimes they get giggly because it's like yes. a, a release of nervous energy. Like I was kind of thinking maybe it was some of that vibes with these two. You've got me shipping what? them hard. You've got me shipping these two very hard. Your your assumption was they fucked off camera and no, we were no, no, cutting, no, no, to, no, we were cutting no. to the aftermath cigarette? No, no. It's just the same energy as that type of scene where they there's a there's a chemistry and that they're just sort of the, the laughing is being elongated yes. because of this that, nervous that, industry and in, 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 nervous energy that you clued me in on. Hey, in many ways, it's a different version of that. It's not post-coital, but it is that kind of relieving of stress kind of moment. I think there's something here. She says, oh, Mark, I didn't know. Uh, You knew that at the end of the corner, I wanted a heart attack. Mark says they made it despite a staffing shakeup. Yes, and spending half your time farting around the halls. Yes, still, you made it. Have you decided yet who you want to stay for the waffle party? Stay for the waffle party. That was the first clue I had. The waffle party was not like the melon party. What did they tell? Stay. What did they tell the Audis? Like, why didn't you get to go home to your family today? That's a wonderful question. I think they probably call them and say, "Look, you're needed for overtime or something." You know, we we're going to need them tonight or some shit. I'm sure they I, they have to explain it because they can't just not show up at home one night. Who's caring for Irvin's dog whenever he gets a waffle party? I'm worried now. I question if Irving ever ever has gotten a waffle party. I question this. God, I would love to see. Like, episode two, Irving, go to a waffle party. Well, but I have a theory on the waffle party. I don't know if that's the same for everyone. You think it's tailored? I think it's tailored. I think that might be Dylan's fantasy. It, it is Dylan's fantasy in very much the mold of Kier. We'll get. We'll talk about that when we get there. He says, Mark says he's thinking Dylan. She says, you know, you can choose yourself or anyone but Dylan. I'm sure they're not excited about choosing Dylan. Dylan just fucking bit Milchick. But Mark says, nope, nope, I got to pick it, him. It's more his thing. He worked really hard. Hasn't Dylan gotten like two waffle parties already too? Yeah, like, he gets all the, the fucking waffle perks. Party king. He's the perk king. He's gotten everything. Yeah. But Mark insists, Kobo laughs. She says, well, I'll make the arrangement. But before you celebrate, I'd like you to drop by wellness. She says they're having all the department heads going in at the end of quarter, which we know is a lie. We know that this is specifically for Mark. And mm-hmm. she says, with all of this stress and Mr. Grainer retiring, oh, interesting, and everything. So they told Mark, Helly, the rest of them, that Grainer retired. They did not tell him that they, Mr. Grainer is now sitting with Kia. And, and I hadn't realized... Starting off the wellness scene, it suddenly hammers through the line that Copel said earlier about they were going to schedule for an end-of-quarter wellness session 
for one last time. And that didn't register then. It's going to register here in a minute. Yeah, what they're doing. They laugh again. Mark says, she says, Mark, all sarcasm aside, thank you. I, Lumen, needed this. So she's telling him that she needed this. Cut mm-hmm. to Mark waiting. She needed a win, basically, I think, is where yeah. she, her head was at. She, Cut. she wanted a win before she goes talk, goes and talks to the board. That's, it. That's her mental idea is that, you know, she can go to the board with the new information. At the same time, also, we hit quota. Aren't I a god? Cut to Mark waiting outside wellness. Let not weakness live in your veins is written on the wall. It's one Kierigan said. Mm-hmm. Cut to Miss Casey, I got in quotes, coming out and calling for Mark to come inside. Mark greets her, Miss Casey. He walks into the room, asks her where the tree went. She says, you can have a seat. So he does. He says, why is everything in boxes? And she says, evidently Lumen's been blessed with a new wellness director. So I'll be retiring at the end of the session. Uh, what does that mean, what? Spencer? What does it mean? I mean, she doesn't have an Audi life. Does she just go into cold storage until they, you know, can re-edit her and put her out again? What is happening? Was she just there because Koble <laughs> insisted that she be there? Was this all part of some plan? I don't know. But retiring for her does not mean the same thing as it does for other people. It did feel very Westworld, didn't it? Yes, it felt very much, we've finished your role in the story, we'll put you down there before we can think of a new plot for you. And it gets more Westworldly, because as it goes on, Mark asks her when they told her, she says, just now, just a moment ago, Mark looks around, she turns music on, it's pretty relaxing sounds. Mark says, you have successfully led your, she says, Mark asks, you have successfully led your microdata refinement, microdata refinement to meet their quarterly quota and are thus eligible for this special augmented wellness session. Mark says, I don't, I didn't think you'd be fired. Mark's, Mark's not here for it anymore. He's now worried about Miss Casey. Yeah, he is. She says, your Audi is kind. Your Audi is bright. Your Audi brighten, brightens people's day by merely smiling. Your Audi makes time for people, even when they, Mark jumps in and says, let me talk to somebody. Like, he's going to do something. You know, he's a hey, big, big it, mover it, and shaker around this place. His any makes time for people, too. She says, I really liked being, she, she cuts protocol now. She 100%. Yeah, she's breaking breaking rules here, and she just jumps in and talks to him. She says, I really liked being in the office with you all that day. I know I vexed you. I know I'm strange. Fascinating line. Fascinating line that she has perspective on that. And she knows why she's strange, and she explains it to him. She yeah. says, my life has been 107 hours long. Most of that has been these half-hour sessions. For me, <laughs> my favorite was the eight hours I spent in your department watching Helly. It's the longest I've ever been awake. I suppose it's what you could call my good old days. This was what we were kind of like pondering last episode. Of what does it mean to be a part-time innie? Now we know. It means that she they literally turn just turned on for this purpose. And then she goes back wherever she goes. Yeah, they turn. I think I think it's cold storage. I think I, my guess is they just turn her off literally, and she just like decommissions. And you know, we ta- I've talked before, and I harp on it every episode about there is a certain amount of knowledge that stays with these people because the split doesn't the mental split doesn't happen when the person started forming memories. The mental split happens at some point along the way because they know things like language, how to walk, they know motor functions, right? They have some background knowledge about the world, and. I think we're getting a hint of what Gemma is like here because she's funny. Mm-hmm. This is a funny line when she says, I suppose it's what you could call my good old days. Like that, she's got a sense of humor. Witty. She's got that, a that sense of like, humor. She's got, she's got self-awareness because she knows she comes off strange and she knows why she comes off strange. She also mm-hmm. is interested in Mark. 
and likes him and and find you know finds him somewhat uh, appealing because she says that spending the eight hours in that department with him is the best best in her hundred and seven right so mm-hmm. I think we're getting some hints about what Gemma was like here hundred percent it's fascinating to see that bleed through and Coble like us is watching this conversation with bated breath Mark is saddened by that says there must be something we could do he looks at her she says why do you care what happens to me? Cut to Coble looking in, fingers crossed. Mark's, yeah, no, she, you, here's what Coble wishes he would say. Shipping up a storm. Because you're my wife, because I, I remember you, you're Gemma, because she's trying to prove that, that there is a, that there is a seepage, right? Like she's trying to prove that the, the procedure's not perfect. Yeah, it's not ambiguous anymore. It's obviously what she, what she's trying to do. Why she's trying to do that is still not entirely clear. Is it just to, you know, be the ultimate true believer and prove some error in the new planning so that she can improve it and just prove how good she is? Is it some kind of personal connection that even preceded that? Does it have something to do with the little medical bracelet that she always has along with her when, when she's back at home? I don't know, but it's fascinating to see that we were at least right that her objective throughout this entire season is to prove that there isn't any and Audi connection. Mark says, because we're people, not parts of people, even with what little they gave us, these are our lives. And you see, did you see how Coble's reaction to that? She yes. was, she, she's ready to jump Mark's bones. She likes Mark because this is a powerful line. Even with what they gave us, these are our lives. No one gets to just turn you off. And it, clearly affects Miss Casey, maybe Gemma, too, with respect to this, because she offers a very, her voice meant, you're nice, Mark, in response to this, before then returning to the script to everyone's disappointment. All right, are we team Mima or Melly? You're hurting me with these little combined names They're really good. I just came up with that on the fly. That was really good, right? They were great. And they also just inflicted mortal agony upon me because I hate these things. So what do we want to happen here? What is the the best case scenario that Mark and and his ex-wife realize in their any form that they loved each other and that they break through the walls and that they get together? Or is the best thing that they kind of go their separate ways and Mark never finds out about this because this would absolutely uproot him completely and maybe he gets with Helly. what do we want spencer i don't know what we want i don't know what we want what i want more than anything is that to have that kind of you know rational choice they need to have the memories between them both stored together so they can make it i want them to have perspective on it all painful as it may be i want all of their knowledge to be brought back into one individual person and that person with the full range of history of emotions of experiences and memories can make some aspect of an informed choice on what they want to do with their life and who they wish to be with it and who they wish to share it with. I think you can tell a lot about a person by if they're Mima or Melly and hear Mm. me out because the people who want Mark and Gemma to fall in love in their any selves. And then for that to be somehow the transferred. Kobolds. Yeah. For that to somehow be transferred. They're the, they're the romantics at heart. They're the mm-hmm. people who think no matter. Yes. We, yes, you and well, I met in this specific love moment, conquers but, all. We, but we, we always were meant to be together. It doesn't matter when we met, we were always going to fall in love. We were always going to be together because if Mark and Gemma fall in love here in this moment, they kind of prove, Hey, we, they were, these two were always, if they met, it was on, right? But that's not what's happening. 
And the people who are Mark and Helly fans are the more realistic folks who are like, look, like kind of like what you, you, you've established, you've established on this podcast. You said is sort of your more your perspective, which is also mine, which is mm-hmm. you. There's a lot of people that you could have potentially ended up with. There's a lot of people you mm-hmm. could have been happy with. You ended up with this person because of the time you met them and a lot of random occurrences, big butterfly effect thing. But there's not one person for you that you could have been with whoever, right? That's the people who are Mark and Helly, I think. But I'm leaning more in the Mark and Helly situation. Mort's going because I've actually spent time with her. Same way as that kind of romance starts and that kind of favoritism, that particular growth of a romance in that way. I do very passionately, though, almost more than anything else in this show, though, want some aspect of justice for Gemma. It's like I have, I have, my heart bleeds for Miss Casey as a character. Oh, unbelievable, unbelievable. More than, um, almost more than anybody else in the show. Yeah, uh, I, this is this is like murder. Uh, this is this is slavery mixed with murder in some kind of fun cocktail I didn't know was possible. Yeah, it's terrible. Hey, you, so your parents watched the show, right? They they watched it. Yeah. I'd like to know if you could bring this back to the podcast. I'd like to know if they want Mark to get with Gemma or Mark to get with Helly. I'm interested. I will get you an answer to that question, no matter how much sarcasm I have to fight through that to get my dad to answer that kind of question. But I, I will get you information for next week. I know he's going to hate a shipping question, but I would like to yeah, know where the preference is. Uh, so she looks down. We're back with uh, we're back with Miss Casey here, Gemma, who told, just told Mark that he's nice. She looks down and says, your Audi is kind. Your Audi can set up a tent in under three minutes. Your Audi knows a beautiful rock from a plain one. Your Audi give, likes giving, and she turns the sound off. Milchik says, when I say she turns the sound off, it's Kobol. We've cut, we've flipped back to Kobol and Milchik. Milchik says, you know it's good, right? That they don't remember each other? It means the chips work. It's a win. I had no idea that he would know. Like we, we It's now been you know implied almost to the point of just straight right state that Mrs. Coble is aware that, you know, the two of them were married on the outside world. But he knows too. Cause is it because Coble told him or is it an open secret among just people who work on the severed floor? I don't know, but I, I would not have expected that he would just be so casual with mentioning that right here, right now. I, I didn't either. I'm, I'm glad he did because it's interesting to know that he knows it, but yeah, I mm-hmm. would, I wouldn't think he'd be so cavalier with it. I do think though that, he re I think that like Kobol's rebellious acts, misdeeds, whatever you want to call it, what she's doing that is like outside the norm is more serious than we might have realized. I think for Milchik, like he realizes I've got a boss here who is way out and fucking off the world. reservation completely. And and so he's trying to rein her back in by saying, Look, remember what we're here for? We're here in this my, my impression. We're mm-hmm. here to prove that these chips work. That it doesn't. That it did. That there's absolutely no way that any in the Audi can communicate. It can't possibly ever happen. We're proving the point here with a couple that was married for nine years or whatever the hell it was. Right. Wait. This is this is what he's trying to reiterate back to her, and she just goes, "Take her back down to the testing floor, please." Her use to me is over. She has not proven the experiment I wished. Yeah. Now she gets up and leaves. Fade out to the hallway. We see Milchik walking. Miss Casey Gemma down the hallway. Oh, 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 oh. Oh. Which, which credit to the physical acting yeah. of the actress. Mm. Uh, she is looking so very small and scared as she's going down that hallway for a character walk. that purposely is very constrained with her emotions. Walking a mile, walking a green mile, the green mile, mile, very much the green mile. 
walking to Miles. She's de- she's going to her death. Where is Mister Jingles when we need him? He opens the door and she goes in. Do you know if I'm happy up there, Milchik? Here's the thing I'll say about Milchik. He comes off worse in this interaction than he has for me in the entire series. He seems so cold to what's yeah. happening here. It's it's hard for me to deal with. This lady's dying, and he just goes, "Yeah, of course. Yeah, you do all kinds of wonderful things." She turns around. She tears are coming down her face. She turns around and says, "Could I, Justin?" He just goes, "You know, I got a lot to do today." He's not treating her like a human. No, he's treating her very much like you know. Westworld. I gotta get this. Yeah, very much that. Very, very much. I gotta get this cow into the meat grinder. It's just like, just go, just go. Come on, go, Bessie. Okay, thank you. Bye. Uh, uh, that's hard. That's hard. Even that's hard for people who even eat meat sometimes, right? Like, goddamn, that is what we do. That is what we do. We send the cow to the meat grinder. That's terrible. <laughs> Ugh, she you, walks into. An if you're gonna enjoy it, you should at least know where it comes from. Well, I enjoy it, but you got to you got to do that. Well, we all know, but you know to think about. It. Anyway, she walks into an elevator. We hear a ding, and then we see Mark coming into his work area. He goes up to the three of them. They gave me a well check. You're all set for the waffle party, he says to Dylan. Dylan asks about Miss Casey. Look, he's over her, okay, but he still wants to be friends. All right, Dylan, yeah. big guy, big. Guy. He's used to this. He's done hey. this. He's done this a lot. He's a heartbreaker. Hey, hey Dylan. He's got a lot of love out there, man. He's got he's got a lot of love for a lot of people. And, you know, he knows how important he was to them. So it's only polite to check. Yeah, he just wants to make sure she's okay. Yeah, Mark uh, says, well, they fired her. Yeah, she just Which found out. shocks the room. Helly asks if they could. I love that Helly is the first one to speak up. And she says, can we help her? Because, like, that, she's, she, she, is, she is not a system person, right? She's not bought into this system. However, she is a teammate. She mm-hmm. is she she does and, find the people around her, and she will be a teammate. And I think everybody, even like you know, Helly, who was clearly put off by Miss Coble, they sympathize with her. They almost like I think Mark and Helly in particular view Miss Coble as almost the different aspect to her makes her more sympathetic, and so they care for her almost like one 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 would a child, and so that factors in. Mark says, and Dylan also has his own different interest. Well, you know, friends now after their yeah. toured love affair, and probably like hour ninety, what well, hour eighty eight for Miss Casey probably was the love affair with Dylan. You know, it was a very meaningful hour of it was a very meaningful one percent of her total life. Yeah, Mark says he doesn't know if they can help her, and he looks around. And he says, "Is everybody sure they want to do this?" Everybody looks around, and then we hear Milchik. Any macro that's ready to party? Oh. Is, that, is that Mr. Milchick's music? Ugh. Dylan G's waffle party will commence at the end of the day. In the meantime, I've ordered the pre-waffle party egg bar social for everybody. Dylan gives a fist pump. Yes. Pay dirt. Yay. So he is now, here's what I've noticed about Dylan. Whatever scheme they're hatching, it involves Dylan pretending to care about the perks again. Very much so. He's fallen back. He is now wearing the Dylan mask very much just as something he puts on for the sake of disguise. It is no longer something that is actually integral to his character, but he knows that they expect that of him, so he's got to put that hat on. Milchik says they all deserve it for reaching, quote, a very special gift for a very special day, Dylan. Our three-time R of the Q, a man whose mind is as sharp as his incisors. Right, buddy? <laughs> so he makes it. She's, she's trying to joke with him. And, you know, Dylan gives him this... Forced smile, forced laugh. And I got to think that Milchik knows it's fake, but he's rolling with it. Milchik is going with it. Mm-hmm. Helly says he should open. In the meantime, Dylan has gotten a gift. And Helly says he should open it. Dylan says he, 
uh, you'd like that. But my my prize, my eyes, he's he's a little shy about opening, a little bashful about opening his gift. And we learn later why. Milchik encourages him to open it in front of them. And I'm not sure, we do we see if they see the gift? I, I think they move on before he actually opens it, right? It seems I thought they looked at it because I thought they almost like shared a little hug or something associated with it, which I had assumed that it was going to oh, be a glass, yes. a glass thing like Mark's. I assumed it was just going to be Dylan had his own. But the fact that all of them kind of share a little hug over it was like, hmm, I wonder what this is. And I was very, very heartwarming to find out later exactly what he got. Yeah, because Milchik actually says to make they remove ambiguity the, about what's team, going on here. He this. says, "Show them what you requested." Is what he says, mm. so that it's clear that Dylan really asked for this, and and they all take a look at it. We don't get to see it, but then they all do the scene again. This is the second time we've gotten it, where Dylan is standing there, and they all put hands on him. Mm-hmm. Look at this. So all three are together. just touching him, right, mm-hmm. to support him. And Dylan sees that, or Milchik sees this, and says. Hey, come on. Let's switch up the vibe in here. Another shot of them all touching Dylan. Cut to an image of the glass block with the etching of Mark's face. So this is at Mark's workstation. And we hear some funky music. And they have punch. Deviled eggs. The vibe goes, the vibe goes, oh my gosh, Spencer. It's so great. Think of this. They play funk music. They have deviled eggs. And it all goes from extremely bright white to like, blues and reds club it's like, colors <laughs> let's take it back to the 60s folks we're having a yeah. deviled egg party i gotta ask you sir where do you stand on deviled eggs oh i have this in my notes to ask you some questions about deviled eggs i will give you my opinion on deviled eggs i adore deviled eggs i think they're an underrated food i think that people overrate how they will affect your breath i think that i've heard that a lot that be all oh, interesting i've heard that it, before too it's it'll wrong. make your breath stink and i i thought i think that's just incorrect um, I'm a big mayonnaise fan. Uh, mayonnaise is my favorite condiment. And I love the versatility of deviled eggs. See, that's the thing people don't think about. They like they have their grandma's recipe and they just kind of go with that every time. You could do all kinds of shit with these. You could put soy sauce in them. You could put pimento cheese in them. Uh, you can put any any type of fancy cheese. You could even start throwing in some raisins, some fruit. Deviled eggs are a very versatile food. I appreciate they're having a specific deviled egg party here. I'm a big fan. What say you? I like deviled eggs. I do feel that deviled eggs, of all the things that one brings to a party, though, are the ones that I almost feel like I can watch decay to a dangerous state in real time. Deviled eggs do not have much of a shelf life, and I feel like if you don't eat them some element of, like, fresh out of the fridge, or otherwise just fresh, they get worse rapidly over time. What is the thing? Why do people think that when they have people over and they're going to be a host... That everything has to, everything that the person's going to eat has to be at arm's reach. Yes. I think this is like a Midwestern thing. Like when they sit down at a table, like every, every, they waste so many dishes doing this. Here's my, here's my thing. Why not just keep the deviled eggs in the fridge the whole time? Tell the whole party. Individually get them. Right exactly. There. Tell fresh. the whole party. They're, I got deviled eggs so in the much fridge. Better. Go in there, get the deviled eggs, grab a beer, grab a drink, whatever. They don't have to be sitting out the whole time. This is also one of the things, too, like you're doing like the, the giant table spread where all the food is there. It annoys me every time. Keep the food in like a separate room on the stove still, whatever else. People can yes. make their plates and then come back to the table and have room. You don't need I, everything there all the time. I, I have been at dinners like this, and I think that it's just a different culture in certain parts of the country where they expect to have everything that's available for the meal on the yeah. table. And I... 
don't like it either. If I it clutters the right. table, you have to use a bunch of different dishes. Things get cold. Things aren't ready all at the same time. I much prefer my grandmother did it the old Southern way where everything stayed in the kitchen and it's all stays in the pots. It was cooked in. And you literally go in with the, the spoon that she used to cook it, to put it on your plate. And like everything's best fresh. way to go. Best yeah. way to go. Completely I, I will agree. say, I will say this scene pr- again, hammers home to me. I really wish I'd known about all of the incentives. There really should be like a separate chapter of Kier's guide on what all of the perks and incentives are. Cause I can see why the egg bar is coveted as fuck. This little deviled egg funk down. I would be I, I would be enjoying that experience. Absolutely. And I you know, I don't our concern here that the deviled eggs, when you put them out, will go bad. Not a problem around my guy Dylan. He is partaking. He's had I think I count three or four different deviled <laughs> eggs he takes. He takes no. one in the background when they had no reason to put it in the shot because they, they were just chatting and then you just see Dylan just hit the, the deck back bar again. That, that, that actor was just enjoying <laughs> the deviled eggs. Whoever, whoever did the whoever did the food for that day, whoever did the you know the food service. They did well. The actor approves. Hell, Helly even likes the fucking egg bar. Dylan tells her what you just said. The egg bar's coveted as fuck. I will co-sign that. Milchik comes in, takes their picture. Notice that. We're back to the picture again. He's taking pictures. Everything's normal again. Look at all this. The experiment's back on track. He also takes Mark and Irving's picture. Mark is sort of posing and trying to give a thumbs up. and looks really strange. Helly turns to Dylan and says, I should be the one to stay behind. She says, don't you want to see your kid again? Dylan says, what we're doing tonight is just the first step. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Helly looks very concerned and says, are you sure Dylan nods? She looks over at Mark and Mark looks at her and smiles. She smiles back. Cut to Coble. Walking into a room, she turns and sees Natalie, the board assistant there. She's Why hold- is Natalie there? She's holding up pictures of Helly hanging in the elevator. The game is up. You are caught. You are caught Dead to rights, almost as dead as Helly was right there in that elevator at that time. If you're Koble, what do you do here? Well, I think you have to come clean. Well, first off, I think she questions if the board's on the line, just like you have been questioning. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she plays every card she can here because she thinks she's just talking just to Natalie. Natalie. But if she knew she was talking to the board, I think she needed to explain... I think the chips are deficient and I am trying to help you all by proving that they are. If hell, if I, if you are right and they're not, the the chips aren't deficient, then I'll fail and don't worry about it. But I'm doing some QA for you, some free QA. That's how I would pitch it. But she does, she kind of holds some of that back here because she doesn't think she's really talking to the board. And Natalie goes on and says, we also know you've been spending time at the home of Mark Scout's sister. It's interesting to me that that is prohibited in some way. She's not supposed to be doing that. I, I would not have guessed that. We, we discussed the idea of whether her extracurriculars would be approved by the company or not. I think we were leaning in the direction of it would not be approved of. Or then would why be did they let just, her live right next to Mark is my question. Do they even know? At this point, I don't know what oversight this company has or how often they're paying attention with even the potential oversight that they have. I, I think it's okay to monitor the out monitor the Audis to some degree plainly they are if they're watching these kind of things it's not so much to integrate yourself into other aspects of their life and do those kind of extracurricular activities mr grainer seemed shocked when he was like or milchick too that these kind of things were happening and that bleeds through the board is not an approval of terms of now not only one sin but more but two that she's engaged in yeah and so she goes right on and says, right, it has been decided. This is Natalie talking. She'll be suspended from your position immediately. You are fired immediately. Go. 
She says, oh, fuck off now. Is the board even there? And then we hear it, Spencer. Yes. Mm. It's this weird, tortured, has not said a word in 35 years. Yes. Who do you think it is? I think it's some member of the Cure family, but only one's supposed to be alive, or maybe more. At this, that sounded like, you know, some kind of lich. Like, we've stumbled into a fantasy universe, and there's a collection of undead sorcerers sitting around a table living forever kind of thing. I, my brain is just firing little neurons in different directions with just the sound of that, yes. Just guttural, croaked out kind of just way of expressing it in a way that probably has no foundation whatsoever, but this is the effect this show has on me. Koba walks over to the speaker. I'm sorry, that was rude. I can explain everything to the board tonight. So now she's really trying to unload because the board is there. Natalie just looks at her and says, the board has concluded the call. Natalie walks out pretty smug. And I got to say that if you see this scene in isolation, Natalie does look pretty bad. But Natalie has every right to be smug with this lady because Koba was physically intimidating her multiple times in previous episodes and really wielding her her strange aura over Natalie. So I think for Natalie not to like her, for me, is abundantly fair, even though I don't really have a strong opinion about Kobol Selwig one way or the other. It's not like I really dislike her or really like her, but I get Natalie being like, yeah, fuck you, bitch. 100%. 100%. Nat- we, we saw before Natalie, same as Milchick, as everybody else, was physically put off by being in Miss Kobol's presence, and so she clearly is glorying a bit to get some comeuppance against her. Cuts a Irv looking at a painting. Maybe of Kier. This is this is any Irv. Now some Samba music is playing. You like Samba? Eh, I'm actually kind of mixed on the subject of Samba, really. Interesting. What's your exposure to Samba music? You listen to very much of it? Not. It's in other contexts. It's like, you know, Samba music is appearing in another film. It's not me purposely going out and looking for it. I wouldn't even know where to start, really. Tommy Dorsett. Start with that. Really, really fucking solid. Tommy Dorsett? Yeah, yeah. Really okay. good. Um, that's a good place to start. Samba is an underrated genre in America, in my opinion. I think it's actually really good, but it's not, it's not like sit down and fucking listen to Samba music. No. It's, it's, that's what, when you want to play some music as you're cooking dinner in the background, it's fucking wonderful for it. It's great. It's hmm. true. Yeah. I can't, can't recommend it, it enough for that specific situation. Not, not did not to sit down and listen and not to like play at a wedding for everybody to dance to. That, that's a little, that's a stretch for Samba. You being our resident expert on the subject of samba, how would you place it in terms of committing a sacrilegious act with a deviled egg and a holy text? Is it, does it fit that kind of you know, particular vibe we're going for here? Perfect. It's absolutely okay. perfect. Because my guy, Irvin, perfect my, my, my guy Irvin has the wonderful samba music playing in the background, which I think propels him, motivates him to rebellion. He opens a book called Compliance, but damned if it doesn't look like a religious text to me. Mm-hmm. He reads, endow in each swing of your axe or swipe of your pin, the sum of your affections, that through me they may be purified and returned. He looked up at the painting. This no would have meant something to him at one time. This would have been an incredibly meaningful passage, I'm sure. For his whole life, for his, this, his entire life, this has been important. It says, no higher purpose may be found than this, nor any higher love. Irving looks at the painting again. He brings, now he brings the deviled egg over in between the book and whap closes it in the compliance book and smiles and i just have in my notes rebellion spencer rebellion and for straight up points. again the, the sperm zealot's going to be all the more fiery when the rebellion comes and that's exactly what's happening with Irv. his faith has not been rewarded his promised salvation has been denied and he is here to burn heaven to the ground let's fucking go 
Cut to Hallie in the break room, the real break room, not the break room, but the break room. She laughs at Mark as he walks in and says, I figured it out. The goats lay the eggs. Mark says, oh, God, you've got it. You've got it. Mark sits down. Helly looks at him and says, you scared about tonight? Mark says, yeah. She just nods. He says, I'm scared of getting caught or we won't wake up. Now that is fucking real. He's talking. 100%. He's giving her 100% real here because that is an unspoken thing that, you know, Irving addressed it in the last episode with Bert's retirement when he says, you're just going to let him kill him. And Mark addressed it very casually when Helly was really pressing him on the subject of never coming back. And he's like, hey, well, that kind of means we die. It's kind of the unspoken thing here is that the, the, these guys are going to have a very short life and they know it. Mm-hmm. This is providing a lifeline they did not previously know existed and they don't know how it works yet. And to call this a live fire test, I think would be putting it mildly. You ever had the deviled eggs where they put little bacon bits in it? Oh, yeah, those are good. That's you a, like that? That's a, I, 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 so long as they're not to the point like you're almost feeling like you're getting, you know, sharp bits of, you know, meat stuck in your teeth kind of thing. But if they're just adding to the flavor or whatever else, I'm down for it. You like that more than pimento cheese in the egg? Uh, in the, in the, I don't know if I've actually had pimento cheese put in the egg. For sure. At oh. least not, not entirely sure. Okay. All right. We see Dylan in the background hitting the egg bar again. That's the scene I was talking about where it was just like it completely just unnecessary. They're behind. Except that he's just hitting it. Uh, he's, and then we hear Helly say, or we're all hassles out there. Or no, this is Mark. He says, or we're all hassles out there. They're talking about waking up now and learning who they are in the outside. And she says, well, that's a given for me. And they just kind of laugh because of her probably seven episodes of being an asshole basically yeah, to varying degrees. Um, he says, you know, I just hope it turns out I have things I care about. Like for real, that is a wonderful line. He mm-hmm. just hopes he has things he cares about. Like for real, like this is like this strange little fucking show is cutting right to the heart of life of like what matters. Well, what matters is that things matter. Like the worst thing you can yeah. have in life is apathy, right? That's the thing you don't want. It's always like, you know, I love like like in wrestling. Love me or hate me, but don't don't sit quietly, yeah, right? And that's kind of how it is with life. Like to to feel something. That's what he wants. We we are seeing a collection of people that have been denied almost any degree of outside knowledge. They've been their existence is based on deprivation, and yet they have still found meaning. They have still found caring. They have still found some purpose, and now they're looking to expand that even further. She's looking right at him, and she says, "Um." Well, you pretended to care about from you pretended to care about me pretty well, and he says you're easy to pretend to care about. She's looking right at him now, and she says, "Thank you, as are you." He says, "Thanks." Hey, folks! Look at them shipping bells going off. We the only got are we, ringing. We only got an episode and a half left. It's happening. Let's go. Lights on. Milchik comes in, kills the fucking mood. Kills the mood. They were having a moment there. I don't know if we've seen Milchik more off than he is in this given moment. Like even when he was being bit, he still returned to script before that for too long afterwards. Here, he's you know what happened, right? What he just got told Kobo was fired, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yes, he got told Kobo's got fired, and he is barely able to contain how flustered he is. You ever had a boss get fired? No, no, I have not. I don't think no, not in any job have I ever had a boss fired. It's strange. I'll tell you. It's a I'm strange. Sure. It's a strange feeling because, you know, you still have, have you ever 
have you ever I? had to walk the have you ever had to walk the boss the way no. Bilchik does here? No, no, no. I was not responsible for walking the boss, but I have had somebody in my management chain let go. And it is it's a strange feeling because you don't you know, what do you do? I mean, you know, do you fucking tell them you're sorry? Do you even speak to them? Do you, I mean, you know, yeah. cuz like there is this sort of separation when somebody is your is your supervisor that you know you're not you're not you don't you don't feel like you're on a level right you don't feel like you're always talking to him like a buddy so it was just, yeah it's strange I'm, I'm sure Milchik feels very weird here and he he comes off strange he says okay refiners I I need to see about a management issue and this party is over I'll leave the food shout out Milchik thank you for that double Irving, thanks for the course Irving thanks him for leaving the food he says he'll be back to escort Dylan to perpetuity shortly Dylan and Irving turn around and look at Mark and Helly cut to Milchik walking. Uh, we see he's walking, holding a box with Coble, and he is walking her out. Walking the boss. What? I feel like I would... Unbelievable. It would be too awkward in my mind to not say something, but Milchick finds a way to avoid that in epic fashion. I, If I was told to walk my boss, are you kidding me? Like, that's, a, that's tough. Maybe, there, maybe Milchick... I got a theory now I just came up with. You ready for it? Mm. Milchick maybe is walking her out because maybe he's the new Coble. Maybe he's been promoted. Possible. It's it's all more awkward because Coble, based on that conversation you had with Harmony, assumes that Milchik was the one who sold her out, and he yeah. might have been. Milchik asks for her key card, so she gives it to him. She takes the box. She just looks at him. Milchik says, "On you go, then." Woo! Cold. Re- repeated lines. And she walks out. Doesn't say a word. Cuts a mark in the supply closet. Game planning with Dylan. Okay, don't mess with any other departments. It's just us three. Dylan says, "I know, I know." So what he, Mark is saying to Dylan is when you don't are... Don't free everyone tonight. When you're flipping the switch, don't do it to anybody else, just us. And I think that's important because we are the ones who signed up for this, right? Don't, yes. don't mess with anybody else. Um, so Helly says the machine is designed to be operated by two people. She's again really... She stays worried the whole episode that Dylan is signing up for too much, mm-hmm. right? And, and she's worried honestly, about Honestly, she's kind of right. Dylan is signing up for too much as we see later. Dylan finishes her sentence and says he'll be fine. He asks for the stuff, please. Mark hands a few items over to him. I think it looks like the, maybe the instruction manual, the page that Helly had pulled out. He says, now it's likely we'll all wake up around people. This is Mark kind of game planning with them. He says, it could be driving or skiing or whatever we do up there. So be ready for anything as you go up in the elevator. Irving nods. Look at Mark being a leader of his team. Isn't that... They are, I, I gotta say, they are looking at him as a leader more now in than this scene before. than they ever have before. And he's more comfortable in the role than he's ever been previously. Previously, he stumbled through every act because he was trying to stick to a script. Now that it's actually natural, now that he's found a certain degree of motivation and leadership within himself, it is coming out as the, it, uh, we are seeing what he's truly capable of in a way we've never seen before. I know. And I think his, his, his co-workers are too. And poor Coble isn't there to see it. Isn't that terrible? Mm-hmm. God, I don't know if she'd be able to contain herself if she's on Mark right now. Just like she would break script entirely and just jump him. The important thing is you find somebody it seems you can trust and you tell them everything. That is a great plan. I sign up for that, Mark. I'm with that. How would you tell? How- Mark's got it easy. Mark's got it real easy set up for his scene. But for the rest of them. I, How would you know? I don't think there's a perfect answer to that, but I think no. you have to blab as soon as you can because you don't know how long you're going to be there. Helly says, and we don't know how long Dylan will be able to give us. See how like how she talks about Dylan? She likes Dylan. She says, I don't mm-hmm. know how long Dylan will be able to give us. So we can't get distracted digging into our lives. That's a great point. That would probably be a very 
natural thing to want to do is to figure out well, who the fuck am I up here? No, the important thing is you talk. Irving says, right, the mission is the priority. Mark looks around and says, I probably should have told you guys, but I kept us. He pulls out the book from Rick and the little red book, the revolution book, Switzer. Again, the, the, the text that could get him murdered, the basis by which he would immediately be strung up or fired or whatever else, he's revealing it to his coworkers. Two of them. Dylan totally knows. Dylan has read it enough that he can cite particular pages. He does. Because Mark starts out, well, our job is to taste free air. Your so-called boss, your so-called boss, I love that line, may mm. own the clock that taunts you from the wall, but my, and Dylan finishes this sentence, but my friends, the hour is yours. Yeah, page 197 slaps. Hey, I'll be fair. That line, and just I'm happily removed from any context, not bad. But my friend, the hour is yours. Yeah, it's pretty good. Mark looks at him and smiles. Intense music is now playing. And, uh, you know, they they don't, again, nail, hammer, they'll hit it. They don't mind giving you an idea of where they're going with, with the pacing, with the background music. Like, they give you intense music here because they're gearing up to a big scene. Cut to Irvin getting in the elevator. Okay, kids, let's find out what's for dinner. Wonderful. It finally Off worked. He goes. It Call finally back. worked. He's been searching for the appropriate place to drop that line the entire show, and man, did he find it here. It's like watching a stand-up who's got this joke, and it just never works it out. And then finally one night, bam, it hits in front of the right audience. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we have Helly and Mark standing there together. Just they got together. a moment. A you, beat. You think we're about to meet her? And this is Helly. You think we're about to meet our spouses? Maybe it's each other. That'd be a hoot. This is great writing because this is how women flirt. Hundred um, percent. Like, wouldn't it be weird if we like kissed right now? You know, yeah. Wouldn't that be funny? Right. It, it, what, wouldn't it be weird if we like you know hooked up previously? Oh man, wouldn't that just be a lark? Yeah, they want to like totally. they want to like shift the conversation to something romantic without a lot of accountability. So they'll just throw something out like this, like, well, I, mean, yeah. I don't know, maybe we're, we're spouses. <laughs> what do you think? Isn't that funny? Yeah. And so, boom, now we're thinking about it, right? And Mark says, yeah, like mid-argument over car wash coupons. Mark is funny. He is funny. And then she says, honey, you're cutting them wrong. And they laugh. They look at each other. She gets into the elevator. She looks at him. She stops the door. She jumps over. No kiss. No kiss. She kisses him. And she kisses him. And she says this wonderful fucking line, which tells me that this was not. She'd been thinking about this. She's been. Exactly. This was not an in the moment thing. Because she says, in case we don't come back or I don't know, in case we do. That was, in case we do, tells me, oh, okay. What she's saying here is, yeah, part of this is we might be dying, but also I've been wanting to do this for a while. And I'll probably, if we come back here, I'll probably do it again. Mark doesn't look put off, but it looks a certain element of concuss that this happened right here, right now. He was not, clearly not expecting it. It's a lot to take in, but I think he, I think he likes it. Uh, She Mm -hmm. goes back to the elevator. Good luck out there, boss. Now we just have Mark. He looks around, sees the furniture, turns back to the elevator, puts the key card, goes into the elevator. And that's it. Mark goes up. Where we go. Now we flip over to my guy, Dylan, who's doing the hard work. Type, trackball, type, flip, trackball, enter. He's going over it, over I, it. I, I say similar things when I'm in the bathroom. Type, trackball, type, flip, trackball, enter. <sighs> Are you ready, Dylan G? Mil- Milchik has walked into the work area looking for Dylan. Dylan is in the bathroom. He says, I'll be out in a minute. Mark walks up the stairs. We see some people working on something outside. And it looks like, I don't know. It look, You know what it looks like to me, Spencer? But- they're setting up the Kiragala. Yeah. that and, and it looks to... So I do a lot of work where I have to travel to D.C. And, the uh, Eakin Family Gala, sorry. The, the, and these types of, like, 
unknown like plan the party plan the gala people who just sort of appear out in front of important buildings that shit happens in dc all the fucking time yeah it's all the time it's this weird like flash mob thing of we're just suddenly a normal building nothing's happening and then an entire team just arrived to just set up the event yeah you're like you're walking around you know whatever building and it's like oh okay all right the national realtors association building which i happen to be walking by here is going to have a big fucking gala and here's 15 of these guys doing this exact same thing setting up carpets setting up spotlights setting yep. up ropes yeah milchick and dylan are walking down the hall now with dylan holding a box they walk he's still holding the, the gift box they walk into the perpetuity wing we see basically madame tussauds figure of kier you know the wax figures that's what we got there of kier I keep on expecting like a house of wax kind of moment of that thing's just going to start moving or looking at me right now. Milchick tells Dylan, enjoy. Dylan walks into the room with the model house and he goes into the house. He walks into the house. And so, and then when he gets there, there are indeed Spencer yeah. waffles on a plate at a table with a glass. This is where this is, this is where this was messing with me to such a great degree of where they're setting this up and it's weird and it's dark and he's going off on his own for this but kind of thing. Then, I'm like, oh my God, it's not waffles. Oh my God, what's it going to be? And then suddenly, oh, it's just very moody waffles. Yeah, it's strange. It's like, oh, there are waffles. And I, it, and you would, with the rest of the vibe, I kind of expect like a bottle of whiskey or something. No, just a glass of milk. Question, by the way, in terms of foods that are better hot, how high do waffles rank in your mind? Cold waffles still acceptable to you? I can definitely have a cold waffle. I don't have a problem with that at all. 100%. 100%. But the the thing with me is that most of the time I'm eating a waffle. I'm one of these like nouveau, you know, like go to restaurants that write their menu on a chalkboard type of thing. Like I'm one of these nouveau people. It's always waffles with uh, savory elements. It's always waffles Mm. with like chicken or steak or you know some. It's I never. It's never the like waffles with the like syrup like Dylan's having here. What about you? You know me. Any excuse I have to put syrup on some item and eat it in the early hours of the morning, I will. I will enjoy that. Perfectly fine with eating cold waffles. Perfectly fine with eating cold pancakes. I will say. It is in the category of foods that's improved when served hot, and I cannot picture these waffles being that toasty right now. No, I don't think they are. Cut to Kobel driving, and she's yelling, fuck her goddamn soul forever into hell, filthy <laughs> fucking fire until she fucking dies. Fuck her and her fucking fake smiles. Oh, God, fuck her goddamn soul. How long has it been since you were this angry? Because I feel like everybody in the life has been this angry at some point. Sometimes in a car driving at this point, but how long has it been? That's a great question. Um... It's been at least 15 years for me in terms of like that driving that uncontrollably spiel pissed off. It's probably about 15 years. I remember I remember a specific situation, but yeah, it's probably about 15 years since I've been that mad. It's not it's not something you do as much as you get older, but I can see getting fired that would elicit such a especially when you don't expect it. It would elicit a reaction like that from somebody. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, when she decides to really curse you, she fucking goes <laughs> wild. Fuck her goddamn soul forever into hell, filth and fucking fire until she fucking dies. Fuck her and her fake fucking smiles. Oh God, fuck her goddamn soul. That is that's oh. tough. That is tough. It's also again, this is a pissed off religious person because it's that fun mix of straight scatological sex related you know insults the way the english language has definitely gone in that direction but she can't help but make it all kinds of elements of religious and biblical too in terms of how she's telling her to get fucked is she praying here is this technically a prayer because she is calling for she god is asking god to do something <laughs> she's asking god to do something i don't know back to dylan who is finishing up his waffle and he does finish a shout out dylan 
he's gonna, you know what? He's going to do this. If he's falling on the grenade, he's going to enjoy the damn waffles. Hey, I got to ask for somebody who hasn't been to a waffle. If we assume the waffle party is in some way similar for other people, which we've got no way of doing otherwise, but work with me. Better you, you better hope you brought a good enough appetite because that person that's like I'm too full and doesn't eat the last waffle, they're they're missing half the event. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I think I think so. I I strongly believe that the oh, yeah. waffle party is tailored toward the individual desire. Well, strongly believe that. If that be the case. Let's talk about then what the particular tailoring is going on with our man Dylan. So it's definitely like a burlesque type thing, a burlesque show where it's a lot of people with masks on. He puts the cure mask on and sits in the big fancy cure seat. He's cure for the night. All hell cure. And then he gets the women in scantily clad clothes, you know, coming by. And and man in goat mask. Yeah, one guy. But it's it's basically like a burlesque show, really, is what is what he's looking at. Um, I am at, like the implication I got from the show is that this was a sex show, but they didn't want to just show sex on the fucking show. That would be like gratuitous. So I think they just kind of like put it, put the, put it in your brain, but this feels very like Amsterdam red light district type of shit. And you know, I, I, I'm not sure they would do that for Irving, uh, or, or Mark. Now, did you recognize the mass? They were, were they other members of Kier? Uh, no, they were fitting a painting that we saw of Kier previously, as oh. is the whip that oh. is sitting on the bed. Tell me of about where it. Kier had previously, before we ever saw this painting, had talked about how he had mastered the four tempers. Remember that? I think it was from the perpetuity wing of we hear the voice of Kier talking about that if you master these four tempers, you can rule the world kind of thing. Yes. Woe, frolic, dread, and malice. And then we previously, at some point, saw a painting of Kier with a giant-ass whip in his hand with, like, four uh, cowering figures below him, Um, which seemingly, now that we see it, and it's aided by the fact the name of the song, which you want to talk about, like, my favorite song in this show so far, the song that's playing during this aspect of the Waffle Party, which is actually called The Four Tempers, which gave me a hell of a hint, is a great-ass song. It's got a hell of a beat. But... In that painting, where Kier's got a giant whip in his hand, which looks exactly like the cat of nine tails that's on the bed with Dylan, we see four figures that have the exact same faces of these four dancing figures. The jester, the young bride, the crone, the the ram, all of whom are cowering as Kier with his whip is mastering the four tempers that they represent. That's what gives me a little bit of a hint that this may not just be for Dylan, because this is very much religious imagery that's seeing I heard at play. I don't know what it means that it's now being rendered explicitly, in my mind, sexual, but we're seeing an aspect of the Kier mythos played out live, and seemingly Dylan, wearing the mask of Kier and with the whip at hand, is being invited to participate. Wow, I did not catch all that. I'm glad that you did. Um, that that really helps the scene. That the, the, um, the name of the song just did everything. It's like, man, this is really weird. This seems. I'm not surprised. Kind of thing. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that there's level that level of detail with it. That that does make some sense to me. Um, but do you think that that's with that additional detail? Do you think that that's more evidence that this is the same for everyone? I don't know. I think everything. At least this tells me that everything is done with some element of cure imagery, whatever you get. But the fact that this is so firmly grounded in the four tempers, 
and him adopting the role of Kier, sitting on Kier's bed in a way that, you never, that no one was allowed to previously. This feels like it's... This, this is not a one-off. This is not something I feel like they just invented for him. No, I think that they have... I think this is the sex fantasy. Mm. Right? This, so it, This is getting so Westworld, isn't it? This, this, is, this is sex world. Welcome. Yeah, and I think they have different lanes for different people would be my thought. I just can't imagine they do this with her because it's just not going... It's going to... It would it would upset and startle some people. So I, I don't I don't know how this. Uh, I mean, unless unless this is the waffle party and everyone knows what this is and it's being talked about in a way that we don't Wait. know because sometimes that happens, right? Like we didn't know there was an egg party and all of a sudden there was one and you know Dylan was talking about it like it was common knowledge. Maybe this is something that everyone knows. I don't know, but it, I I don't think you would give this to Heli R and like just surprise her with it. I think all hell would break loose. Straight there with you. <laughs> I think maybe may notable then that when Mark was talking with Koble, he said specifically, no, that's kind of Dylan's thing. He may have been giving us a little bit of a hint that, you know, this is the waffle party and all of all of us, Dylan's the one that would appreciate that the most. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. So during all of this, uh, Koble is tearing up her shrine to Kier. And she's mm-hmm. grabbed her mother, what we think is her mother's it, hospital bracelet, holds it in her hand as she lays on the bed. It's very childhood tantrum kind of style. For sure. How, it, it, this is not a rational adult kind of behavior right here in any, in any sense of the word. This is really crushing to her in a way that I, I didn't expect this reaction considering how blasé she was about breaking the rules. Right. Mm-hmm. Because somebody who will that casually break the rules of a place that they work at, to me, it signals that they don't value that that job that much uh so it's surprising to me that she has this reaction uh cut to the end of the dance scene and we see that dylan has left early and we see him walking down the hallway cut uh, to Koval. yep gotta ask how would you react you don't know what the waffle party is and then suddenly that starts what do you do dude i don't know man because like, if, if i was in any this would be my whole existence right so this mm-hmm. would be your particularly only particularly if it's a religious ceremony kind of thing in that way. So this would be your only outlet to like any sexuality or any I, I don't know, it might be like I might be like locked in. I don't know. I mean, this is your only you're interacting with three other people, four four at most with Milchick all the time. I I don't know. It'd probably be what I I'd be down for some weird shit if I was in any is what I'm trying to say cuz you don't have any other experiences to sure. go on. It's not like you can go like fuck this. If this is what this. they're giving me. You can't just say fuck this, I'll go home, right? Like this is no, all no, you no. got. Yeah, no, don't fuck this, fuck them. That's what they're here for. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, man. What would you do? Oh, that's a Wednesday for me. So yeah, old, old hat. Yeah, that's right. Attorneys, they do weird shit. Um, we live eyes wide shut, I assure you. Cut to Goble. She answers the door and it's Mark, Marcus. He's clearly trying to gather. She's truly, she's clearly trying to gather herself, but he stops by and says that he's on his way to Devin and Rickens. They have that party tonight. Well, Devin asked me to double check, see if you're interested in coming. So Devin does like Selwick, it seems. She wants her to come to the party. Goble mm-hmm. says, ah, I'm not feeling quite myself, Mark. I mean, it's, and he says, I mean, it's not a funeral. So, and she laughs too much at that because she can't be in a scene without being socially awkward in some way. Mm-hmm. It's required. Part of her contract. Mark starts to leave and she says, you know, maybe I could drive my own car. This is a Spencer move right here. Oh boy, is this a Spencer move. I'll yeah. drive, I'll drive my own car. That way I can leave whenever the fuck I want. That's basically what she says. But she You're- says that way I could leave if I'm uncomfortable or afraid. That's almost the way that's, that was strange to me. That, that that was that was strange, but it also resonated because the whole you know bring your own car thing. That's something I would do, but I would never say the actual reasons why, which is more what she's saying right there. 
It's interesting when she says afraid. I, yeah. I, I didn't know if that uh, she's, meant... she's saying the inside thing out loud. Oh, okay. That's how you took that. All right. Because I was thinking that maybe she's concerned about the oversight of Lumen now and, I, and, I, and her continued to be involved with Mark and the, the sister because they, they do clearly know that she was at the sister's house. So people were watching her on the outside. So my thought was maybe she was scared of that. In the moment, I read it that we've more time we spent with this person, we've seen just how incredibly socially awkward she is, even among other Lumen people who are all very weird. So, I a line like that can resonates well with socially awkward people. Mark says, "That sounds great." Goble Selwig goes independent. She goes indie. She goes by herself. Cut to Irv getting home. He pours a cup of coffee. See, see, Spencer. He, he's he doesn't start again. Sleep. He just gets whacked out on coffee, and he just fucking paints all night and then poor any Irvin has to deal with this like complete lack of energy and, and lethargy. Poor guy. hundred percent. Cut, cut to Mark arriving at the party. Rickon comes up and greets him as the elusive Mark. God, I would hate this elusive? guy. I would hate this fucking guy. He's the type of guy who, if you, if he invites you like, Hey, why don't you come out to dinner with us? And you're like, nah, I'm busy tonight. The next time you see him, there's three or four little digs. Yeah. About the fact that you didn't go to dinner the time before. That's who fucking Rickon is. We saw him do a dig on the subject of, I know that you were too uncomfortable to let us name the baby after your deceased wife, but uh, I understand that you weren't al- able to make that happen. Yeah, but it could have been awesome, Mark. But you messed that up. Yeah, he, he, uh, man, Rick. I would fucking hate this guy. So he says, Mark, uh, you've got your copy to follow along. Yeah. So he's doing a, this is the party. All right. So he, we've seen doing a reading. We've seen Rick in this season. He is the VIP of fucking bad parties. He is the no MVP of bad parties. He, he mm-hmm. creates the worst parties ever. First one dinner party with no dinner. Spencer was outraged. Nightmare. Outraged Two, I'll invite everybody over. So I'll read my book at them. Would not attend. Thank you for the invitation. And the next time you saw him, the elusive Spencer is here. I will, when it comes to Rickon, I will own that label proudly. Anyway, Mark left the book, but he didn't leave the book. He doesn't have it. That's the thing. But Rickon well, seems upset by this, and he just says, it's well, fine. Unless, of course, you want to go home and get it. Here's the implication I got from this. He's already told Rickon that the original copy was stolen. I'm assuming Rickon gave him another copy. Otherwise, this is a continuity error. Uh, or, uh, yeah, I mean, it could be, it could be, or Rickon could have forgotten. Um, but that's kind of how I, 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 I don't know. I, I thought I, I don't Rickon picture, had... I don't picture Mark lying about the whole, about, about for some reason, not telling him again that, it, oh no, the book was stolen. I, I don't, I don't see why you would hide that. My head canon is he gave him another copy now that the book's officially out. Yeah, could be. In either case, the Rickon's real, Rickon's real desire here is just to have everybody has their book and he gets really upset. Way too upset. Really? Upset. Way too upset that Mark doesn't what? have his. Why doesn't he have extra copies? Like, who would you know that published their own book that doesn't have a few extra copies around the house? That cheap fuck. He doesn't even give you dinner when you come over. He stinks. Fair point. Fair <laughs> point. Devin comes in with the baby. Mark jokes that the baby looks a little drunk. Uh, so there is so much food in there. Rickon is still on about the book. Rebecca, she may be willing to share her copy with you, but I should... Yeah, I should ask her directly or she might be offended. What's so funny about this is that Audi Mark, like all the rest of us, could not be more disinterested in Rickon's book. Any Mark has we'll been memorizing the, the lines. He's been memorizing the lines. It's it, hilarious. It, any Mark's going to make a scene when he sees that his freaking prophet 
is his brother-in-law and is here and is reading the text straight sermon on the mount yeah maybe he'll just get on all fours you know just start all hail ricking <laughs> cow toe to the god leaving mark there with devin and the baby um Sister and brother, alone at last. She just says, gross. That's good. Yeah. She asks for his coat. Mark says, it's nice. You're a good wife and mother and stuff. Yeah, all glory on to Devin. Yeah, all glory and screw you. Mark says, so they're just bantering a little bit. Mark says he wants to talk to her later. He's pondering a decently sized life change. Hmm. If only they could have that, had that conversation a little bit earlier. It would, have been, it would have been interesting. But for right now, Devin is a good host and she has to roam and mingle. This is why, so if you do this with Spencer, you're like, hey, Spencer, I got to talk to you about something. And Spencer's like, uh, what? You're like, big life decision. Spencer's like, fuck, that's a lot of talking. So like, <laughs> you, you may not hear from him for two weeks and then he'll go, oh. hey, then Spencer will be like, hey, did you make that life change? <laughs> I got to build my way up to talking about it. It's heavy shit. <laughs> fuck, that's a lot, man. You're asking a lot here. Uh, Miss Selwig arrives. Jokes that Mark should watch out for leaks when hugging Devin. Devin seems to like the joke. Babe. She's getting along Aww. with Miss. She likes Miss Selwig. It's interesting. Um, cut to Dylan, who's walking in the hallway. He's the key card, security card, the Mr. Grainer card. How did Maybe they not deactivate the Grainer card when he died? Question mark. We're getting just an added list of this is an incompetent company. We've gotten all the various data points that we need to reach that well formed and rational conclusion so in my line of work this, this, did you ever see um minority report yeah good movie biggest flaw in that movie is they never turn off the eye scanner and they just keep using his pulled out eyes to keep getting into that cop that closed room four weeks after he's been you know con- they think he committed a murder he's been fired he's been arrested never changed the eye scanner same category here so in the, my line of work my company will bid on things like bid on work, right? We, 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 we bid, bid, bid with clients. We bid work and we have, you know, the people who are going to do the work, right? Whoever. And then you have the other people, the overhead people is what it's, what it's called in some industries overhead. Right. And that, that usually gets applied. There's a rate that gets applied to the work that you're bidding on. So if I'm saying, Hey Spencer, I'm going to do your, your lawn work, right? Uh, I'm going to charge you a dollar for my, me to do your lawn work, but I also have 35 cents. I got to tack on to pay for my lawnmower, my truck, my gas to get here, et cetera. Right. This company has razor thin rates. (laughs) It's unbelievable how low their overhead is. I'm just shocked as I'm walking through. I'm like, man, they, they are cost competitive on everything because they don't have shit overhead. It's like a big empty building. We're, we we are we are seeing lo- the lowest dollar value bidder in action. Um, yeah, Mark says. Uh, uh, so cut to Irwin, uh, who is painting. Irving's painting, and then we we cut back to Mark, who is with Selwig, and she says, "But Mark, I'm so sorry, I was so terse Sel- before." Selvig, by the way. Selvig, with a V. Yeah, it's not Selwig. I'm pretty sure it's and it's spelled here with a V. I'm gonna call her Koble. How about that? That's how I get around that. Done. So Koble Koble says, but Mark, I'm so sorry. I was so terse before. She says she had a bad day at the shop. The shop. Mark says, of sorry. The, the to mythical hear. shop that she's so happy he never actually goes by. With all the fucking turmeric milk drinks and oh, cardamom pods. That and, keeps him away. Yeah, all that stuff. Mark says he's sorry to hear that. She says she's Happy she's there now. Work is just work, right? This is what he tells her. Work is just work, right? And you see the look that Koble gives him? Like, it's no, 
what she's, work is just work like it's like it's crazy crazy talk it's crazy but it's not kind of crazy of where you're changing her perspective on the world with how crazy it is oh you took it that she was that that was landing a little bit it, it more so as the as the conversation goes on because she does a few of these and she's just like in awe of him we finally see dylan's gif and guess what heart wrenching the whole get your Kleenex out, folks. It's a glass. It's a glass image of all four of them together. He They're all here together. Of, all of them together. Not what I expected, but so better because he's. Look, you called this fucking day one about Dylan, the consummate teammate. How he's yeah. ready to fucking remember because, like in the very Throw first couple the scenes, hell down. he was going to d- attack dog, destroy somebody for Mark. Like he's yeah, he's a great teammate, man. So we've, uh, he starts going through the system, and he's, he's kind of talking out loud. Confirm manager mode. He looks around. All the sensors for the people function. Boom. Jump to Heliar. He also pulls up uh, Mark and Irving. Back to Irvin, who is listening to metal and is painting. Then back to Dylan. He gets a prompt to confirm the list. Then he gets a timer. He flips Irving, Helene, Hel- Irving, Heli, Mark at their sensors. Mm-hmm. Selwig asked Mark about the comment he made to Devin about a life change. Mark said he was going to talk about his job, actually. She says, Ad Lumen? Mark says, I think I might quit. And she is stunned looking at him that he says he might quit Lumen. How'd you take that look? Uh, again, she's still in the process of you are so shattering her worldview that she doesn't know how to process it. But by the time that he's done talking, I think she's a full convert. Maybe. Back to Dylan. And he sees these words on the screen. This is the screen he's looking at as he's doing this work, trying to make the system flip over. Beehive, branch transfer, clean slate, elephant, freeze frame, Glasgow. These are weirdly metaphorical ways of expressing whatever the hell these things are. Yeah. Dylan goes down the list to lullaby and then over time. What is lullaby? I don't... L- lullaby feels like okay deactivate everybody uh everybody goes exactly into sleep mode like. yeah it feels like if we could just turn everybody we could we could miss casey everybody put them all in cold storage i'm with <clears> you <throat> but he gets to overtime and that's what he's looking for come back to mark who tells selwick he is serious about quitting and the severance thing he's not sure he needs it anymore and she just this looks is, at him and hugs him this is where she seemed like just in awe of him kind of thing like oh my god what a conclusion. I'm getting separated from it too. Yeah, you need to run as well. I, I, she seems getting even more pro Mark because of these lines right now. She, yeah. And I think, I think there's also, you know, she has been watching Mark closely. I think she's invested in him. We've joked about there's a romantic element, but she certainly cares about him and his future. And the idea that he has progressed to the point where Audi Mark feels like he doesn't need to turn his brain off for eight hours a day. I do think that's some progress for him. And she seems to really appreciate that. Straight up. Back to Dylan, who engages overtime. He's going through it all now. Now find a, and he says, great. She says to Mark, do it. Get away from them, Mark. She says, get away from them, Mark. If I was Mark, I'd be like, what? What? Get away from them? Dude, dude, dude. When Dylan flips the switch, the first thought, the first exposure to the Audi world that any Mark is going to have he's hugging. is being in the act of hugging Mrs. Coble. Yep. At least he's what not at least he's not like, you know, doing something else with Miss Coble. You <laughs> might just shut down and go back to any state. How then. wonderful would that be if that was the reality and then any You're Mark had to come back to and her. explain that to Helly? <laughs> so, so did you get to meet your spouse? 
Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, I did. Hey, Dylan, you're gonna want to hear this one. <laughs> <laughs> see, so like we, you always talk about bagging Mrs. Casey. I one up the shit out of you. <laughs> so we see Dylan stretching, stretching over, over. He finally gets there and he flips the switches. And the way this is set up, and how he explained it in the previous episode, is that basically he's got to hold two switches down that are. A Roughly, I don't know, four or five feet apart, right? So he yeah. he's really got to stretch and hold them both down for as long. And, and if he moves, if he doesn't, if he, one of the switches goes back up, this operation falls apart. So he's just got to he's got to hold it there. It's meant to be like a war games missile silo where each officer turns their key at the same time, and if they don't, they pull a pistol on each other, and make them turn the key, kind of thing. It, it's this is purposely supposed to be designed as a two person operation, but Dylan somehow finds a way to make it work. But not before, the episode ends, but not before we see shots of Heli at some sort of fancy party. She's at the gala. She's at the gala. a glass she's of champagne in she's, her hands. She's a, she's a member of the, of the Egan family. It's, it's revealed. It's confirmed. You will not take this away from me. I am certain of this. It's confirmed? That I need no further evidence. It is, I'm backing up every little assumption. I rest my I case, Your say. Honor. Oh my gosh. You you have seen everything I have to offer. Are you not convinced as you are not entertained? You are so you are convinced. Heli is at the gala. She is a member of the Egan family, you think? Me, member of the, or in some way intimately connected with them enough that she'd be invited to that thing. Yes. So this your logic here Check is Check gun. They've been would... talking about the event too much for not for not to show her and you know Black, black, you know, black tie event dress for this kind of thing. So this would explain why Audi Heli is so committed to the concept of severance, is if she's embedded in the company in some way. Hundred percent. That if this is the company product, if this is the family initiative, is this is this is the family legacy? It would be shameful if she didn't find a way to make it work. How long have you had this theory? Uh, pretty much the moment that we got to see her on the screen, when she when we got to see her on the screen and how she treated her how she acted, it did not make sense to me for any rational, vaguely potentially empathetic human being to behave that way unless they had some justification for their zealotry. And the most lowest hanging fruit in that regard was an Ian family connection. So I, I don't know, but I don't want you to, I don't want to hear another sideways word from you. This is, I'm convinced of this. Because you made a you made a comment about episode maybe three or four, where you just I think it was episode three where you just went ah, or she's a member of the Egan family, and I was like whoa that's a that's a strange like thing for you to think so quickly. That's um, why I'm so happy if I'm right in this regard. Yeah, you call, it was really really early when you made that kind of like offhanded comment. I didn't I didn't touch it at the time, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. It seems like there might be some evidence for it. Okay, that's the end of the recap, folks. What? We are done recapping episode eight, the penultimate episode of season one. What I gotta ask, sir? I never ask you enough. What did you think about this episode? First time watching and, re- and on rewatch. I th- this this there's a reason that I was like adamant that this show was better than House of the Dragon, which for me is like a really big deal because I, I love the the world of A Song of Ice and Fire and I thought that show was done really well, is that that this show did did everything right for me, is that it starts with such great world building that you, you're learning the rules, you're learning what the what's going on in this world and, you're tr- and, and then as it starts to expand, you're getting all these little clues and it's like mystery box storytelling at its very best. And that way when you get to episode seven, eight, nine and the world really starts to expand, it feels like a payoff. It doesn't feel like just the 
the plot moving forward, it feels like you're getting these little like morsels of information. It's earned. And I thought this episode was like where they start to expand the most, right? And it, the the payoff feels bigger here than in any other episode. I was, I mean, of course I was like hell bent, uh, get me to the next episode, but I felt like this was the best, the best of the, the season for me because they're expanding. They're showing, they're showing you that they can do like they can do the sort of like cliffhanger heavy plot stuff within this world because so much of the earlier episodes, and we talked about how some people might've bailed after like episode two or three mm-hmm. was the world building and establishing the rules and getting people grounded in what's going on here. That by the time we get to, Oh, they're doing something like that. This is big. The concept of the Audi, the innies being able to live in the Audi world is like, I'm, I'm fucking elated. So I felt like the way that they built it up was, was really well, well earned and well established. And for that, I, I thought this was the best installment of episode, any episode they've had so far. It would not be my favorite episode, but it feels like it's just the culmination of just such expert craft. I've often, you and I have often argued on the subject of just how much I depend on rely on a show being just so carefully manicurely structured from the, from the word, you know, from the very first jump, that, that that's something I deeply respect and something I look forward to in a show. This show's just starting to, you know, prove itself just an, an utter exemplar in that regard. We have had so much build up, and it's now in retrospect being so carefully crafted to reach a hell of a penultimate episode to put us into the finale that I can only just applaud what effort that clearly went into making this journey work to get to this point of how invested I am because of it. I feel like we have overdone as a society and I've been, I've done it. I've done this myself. So I'll, I'll absolutely throw myself in, but we've overdone the, Hey, watch this. And if you could just get past the free, few first few episodes, it's really good or read this book and just get past the first four chapters and you'll like it. Like we've done a lot of that in our society, right? So people are kind of numb to that when you tell them stuff like that. Now people, yeah. will, I, I hear this a lot from people like, Oh, well, if I have to like suffer through three episodes or something, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in right. Like mm-hmm. there, that, that line of logic doesn't really hit with people much anymore. And it's a darn shame because this is when it needs to be employed. Like this is a show where like you really do like it, no bullshit. You really do need to tell people like hang the fuck in there because the payoff is really, really worth it. At least it was for me. hundred percent. hundred percent. I was never put off by the show in the early episodes. I was still intrigued enough as to where they were potentially going, but man, Episode, what was it? Episode like four forward? You can just suddenly... Different gear. We went, we went into fourth gear. Yeah, we went to fourth gear. We might even be slipping into fifth gear here at the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, if you want to talk about like which episode was the best written, the best, the uh, most well done episode of television, I'd have to go back and, and do a, a more close watch. But well, I'm talking we, about... Like, we probably my, will at some point. My personal entertainment, I was most entertained by this episode. I was at the edge of my seat. Well, yeah, waffle parties have that effect on you. We know. Yeah, really, really excited for the burlesque show and the Egan House. Hey, question for you. What's the best line of the episode? Well, I got a few options for you to pick, because, of course, you are the god emperor of this particular segment. Absolutely, I am. Always. uh, Miss Casey and Mark, I really liked being in the office with you all that day. I know I vexed you. I know I'm strange. You're not strange. My life has been 107 hours. Most of them have been these half-hour sessions. And for me, my favorite time was the eight hours I spent in your department watching Heli. It's the longest I've ever been awake. I suppose it's what you would call my good old days. 
such a great line, such an interesting perspective in the character, and all the more invests me in, she better damn well be freed before this show ends. Uh, another, another Mark Miss Casey, but Mark's rebel speech, there must be something we can do. And Casey, why do you care what happens to me? Because we're people, not parts of people. Even with what little they gave us, these are our lives, and no one gets to just turn you off. Oh. You're nice, Mark. Great line, great line. Uh, more funny one from Dylan, but the line, the egg bar is coveted as fuck. Dylan just knows how to express shit. I just, proper wordsmith he is. Fantastic. Uh, one that, I, as I talked about, just resonated deeply with me, but just the simple one-word first voice we've ever had from the board. That simple gravelly growl of a yes just left me jaw-dropped that, oh my god, they, A, they actually exist, and B, I know things about them I didn't know before. And I assume all the more. Uh, this is from Helly, but they left us unattended and thought that we'd be too dumb to notice. They won't see this coming. Yep, well summarized, Helly. You're 100% correct, it seems. Um, Mark, you know, I just hope it turns out I have things I care about. Like, for real. Helly, you pretended to care about me pretty well. Mark, well, you're easy to pretend to care about. Helly, thank you, as are you. Look at these two flirt up a storm. And the first line from Mark, though, is just a heavy hitter. That's just a, a nice philosophical line about, you know, I just hope I have things I care about. Uh, I would give, I wasn't expecting to do this, but I give Rickon some credit. Our job is to Ooh. taste free air. Your so-called boss may own the clock that taunts you from the wall, but, but my friends, the hour is yours. Dylan's right. Page 197, it slaps. Uh, from Helly. Dylan's usually Kate, right. Dylan, Dylan is always right. Let's just make that the maxim right there. Uh, in case we don't come back from Helly, or I don't know, in case we do. Uh, and then a last one from Miss Coble, but get away from the mark. I don't... Feels like she's in the middle of a heel, of a, of a heel face turn, but I wonder whether it's going to stick once she meets any mark right now. That, those are the nominations for me. Okay, so the... We have an award for honorable mention this week. Honorable mention is Mark to Helly. I just hope I have things I care about. Good line. Good line. And the winner this week, best line of the episode, penultimate episode of season one is Mark again. Mark. In responding to Miss Casey, when she says, why do you care what happens to me? He says, because we're people, not parts of people. Even with what little they gave us, these are our lives. No one gets to just turn you off. Damn fine line. I got to give you credit for that one. Fantastic line from Mark. Mark gets both this week, the honorable mention and the winner. He's dropping dimes everywhere. Shout out, Mark. Good episode for Mark. Let's, that's a good segue to employee of the week. Who do we think had the strongest week? Who are we giving Lumen employee of the week this week? Even debate between either Mark or Dylan when it comes to this one, it, feel, it feels for me. For bo both for related but somewhat different reasons. Mark is the leader. Dylan is, as we've said before, the implementer, the one that made the plan happen. Yeah, I think Mark is a good good option. Mark has a strong episode. But I, I think this is far and away a Dylan strength episode. I mean, like he, the way he's like, he doesn't question it. And he also doesn't allow... Like, so he's, he's doing this thing, right? He's saying, I'll do the hard work, but 
in doing the hard work, he does not allow other people to feel guilty about the fact that he's doing the hard work. That's another, that's like the next level of teammate, right? hundred percent. There's a lot of rubbing noses. There's a lot of people who will say, yeah, I'll do it, but they want credit. They want you to feel bad about it, et cetera, et cetera. Dylan shuts that all down anytime it comes up. And I was like, no, I want to do this. This is just the beginning. Don't, you know, basically don't feel guilty at all. I'm doing this thing. And it is extremely dangerous what he's doing, right? Um, if he gets I, caught, I don't know what happens, but it's not good. If I was Dylan, I would I would assume that if I got caught, one of the things that would be on the table would be to never come back, right? To never be in any again, to be shut Prob- down and die. Probably, um, yeah. Yeah, so I would think that's on the table. I think he's risking his life as he knows it. And that's pretty darn heroic in my book. Shout out to Dylan, my employee of the week. I'm with you. I think either I'm a. I think either one worked for me, but I think Dylan, for the amount of legwork, for the amount of self sacrifice he puts in to make it happen, let's give him the credit. Let's give him another little glass emblem that's uh, to sit on his desk right there. He's clearly earned earned more than one. And look at me trying to get my Dylan on. Trying to be a good teammate this week. I got you done with all of everything in an hour and a half, Spencer. You're going to be freed up to watch the episode tonight. You can see the finale, but not before you drop some questions on us. I'm going to kick back and listen to Spencer's questions of the week. All right, we referenced it, but Irving's paintings are, in my mind, very clearly the elevator that Miss Casey takes down to what is referred to seemingly as the testing floor. Now, that's bleeding through in some ways, and he's trying to tell him something. My question is... How the hell does his any know about this? Yes, that's a good. That's question. not explained. Why does his any even know that this exists? Has his any been down there? Has his any experienced this before in some shape or form? If so, how? This does not seem common knowledge that this testing floor exists and some people remain on site all the time. It seemed like when Petey told that to Mark, it was a shocking thing for the two of them to share. So how does Irving know about this? Because Irving. I don't think any Irving knows he knows this. How is that the case then? I don't know. That's a question. That is a question. The testing floor. I'm with you. It seems Westworldly. It seems like naked robots standing in a room kind of thing until they're of further use. Maybe with Kira Flash fro- Yeah, flash, flash frozen until they can find a new programming to implement in them. That's my bet. Sounds horrific. Adds to just the element of slavery and murder that is just integral to our experience of Egan so far. Uh, Lumen Industries so far. Uh, Miss Casey retiring. The timing of this is, is just what's fascinating to me. This is seemingly implying to me that Miss Coble specifically requested Miss Casey to be the guidance counselor, the wellness counselor yep. for this particular period. And now the test is done and she has no further use for him, so she's casting it out. It doesn't seem like this was a coincidence in any shape or form, but I think Miss Coble herself set this in motion. Just based on the fact of the timing of Miss Casey being retired here and now. Uh, Coble's disappointment about Casey and Mark, we've talked about that a little bit, but it, I'm of two minds about whether this is just purely she's trying to be the best, most loyal cure follower possible, the best employee that she can through testing their you know integral product to the to the up to the uh, hilt or is this a personal issue to her does she need to think that people who have been severed can connect through in some shape or form does she have some deeper connection to the severance process or someone that she knows that was severed i'm not sure but she seems so very disappointed when casey and mark don't bridge the gap fully there in the end that it almost seems like it goes beyond just purely professional into the personal 
don't, have no frame of reference there about anything else about her outside life other than that little medical bracelet that we assume is of her mom's. I'll say this. It's not just a question. That's a good question. Thank you. I try. Uh, Dylan's prize is just adorable and lovely and makes me so happy. And it makes Shout me wonder. Shout out to Dylan. That's another reason he should have been employee of the week. When did he request it, though, is the question that I actually have. Because it's, this doesn't seem like something you could, that he just asked for that morning to then get. Doesn't seem like they can make something like that that fast. So he actually has put this in motion for a while, which if that's the case, that even just adds to my concept of Dylan as a character, that even from a while ago, before their current bond was fully established, this is still what he wanted and hoped for more than anything else. Well, in the novelization of the show, where they do a they do a novel to... to which I will they, never they read on purpose, no matter how many <laughs> copies you buy for me. Uh, no, seriously, my headcanon is that maybe that was part of... Milchik getting him to drop the kid thing in the short term is he promised him that. Yeah. He promised him to get him something or do something for him. If he would just let it go for a second. Maybe, maybe, uh, the board, the Ooh. board. I've had so many theories I've already offered about the board, but my head cannon now just based on that tone, that weird tone, the ambiguity by which they're always separate and removed from everything else. I don't think they actually, I don't, I don't think harmony would have met them at the, at the, at the gala. I don't think they're there to meet at the gala. I don't know whether these guys have like uploaded consciousness or, you know, preserved cadavers, but I'm expecting if we ever get to Whoa. meet the board, every single person that was a wax sculpture is going to be there regardless of their reported date of death. I don't know how. I don't know what way. But based on that, just purely the tone that was coming out there and the much the degree to which they've been kept separate from all everyone else, only operating through intermediaries... There's something dark and secret about this board that I'm now riffing on. You ran with that one word so much, and it is fantastic to see where you heard "yeah," it's, it's and you're like into like these little paranoid fantasies <laughs> I've had, and it's enough that I'm going to run with it. I think, yeah, I think that's great. I, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think that uh, here's my here's my theory. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna go the other way with it. I think that the board was always there and I think it's just a guy. I think it's, I think it's, it's just, it's, a single, it's just the current CEO. Yeah. It's just the C I think it's the, the wizard of Oz, right? The guy, the guy behind the curtain. I think it's just yeah. the, the current guy and, and that's it. Okay. Uh, we've talked about the waffle parties enough. Uh, I won't talk about him anymore. Uh, Kobol from here. I, Kobol seems like this. Uh, I don't, I can see where some people might see Koble as being potentially rebellious in a way that could be beneficial to our characters, but I don't think that's ever been the case from anything we've seen to date. Huh. But whether she will be heading in that direction now, now that she's removed from connection to Lumen, clearly has a, a certain loyalty or fascination or affection for Mark, this is her opportunity. She's on some aspect of a heel-face turn. Whether it will stick or not will be apparent very early in the next episode, but I have my doubts. I think... My sad assumption is that if she gets some ammunition about this that informs her other theories or informs some way that she can get back in Lumen's good graces, she's going to use it rather than help Mark. Hmm. Don't know, but that's my assumption at this point. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and also, as I've already said, uh, Helly's at the gala. She's a member of the Egan family. I will not hear a single word said otherwise on the subject. I am convinced. I've seen it in that one little... Again, this is the same thing as the voice. In that one little flash, I've seen enough evidence. I need nothing Well, 
you got a lot you got a lot more evidence in the heli flesh like you just got like yeah and you're like well it's probably an uploaded consciousness into it and i'm like whoa wait a second where did that come hey wouldn't it be great if they just revealed that it was l ron hubbard <laughs> just like just, just him just Straight. he was he's still hey, alive he would be he's uploaded too, consciousness at this point he's 140 years old and it's just l ron he's just chilling Again, they made such an emphasis placed on those wax sculptures. I think we're going to meet him again in some terrifying way. I just don't know how. That would be wild. Yeah. Again, they referred to that little chip. Is is that Petey? Maybe they've been experimenting with these chips and uploading consciousness for a while. Hmm. That shit would slap. We'll see. We shall see. That is enough for me, sir. All right. And thus concludes America's favorite segment, Spencer's Questions of the Week. All right, Spencer. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up here on this episode? I'm going to go, I'm going to get myself a nice drink, I'm going to make myself a little bit of food, and then I'm going to watch this episode, and you can expect that you will receive some degree of live-action commentary from me. I'm excited about that, as are, as are our listeners. They're excited about it, too. I did want to say one thing for people who follow us from podcast to podcast. We did promise at the end of the Succession podcast to do a Succession review podcast. That is still on our radar. We have not forgotten that. We're going mm-hmm. to do it. Just busy, busy people, but we will get it done here probably in the next, I don't know, a couple of weeks, but we're not promising anything, but we will get it out at some point. That is, that's the one thing I will promise is that we Damn will sure. get it out at some point. I don't know when, but it will come out where we will do a wrap up of the Succession series over on the Line of Succession podcast feed. As far as this podcast feed, we will be back with you next week to review the finale of season one of Severance. I'm so, so, so excited. Can't wait to talk about it with you then. Spencer, hope everybody has a great week. We'll see you next week.